0: Hey guys, on today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, that Highlander reboot starring Henry Cavill, yeah, it's John Wick director Chesolesky's next movie up, and they just announced that he's going to be shepherding and overseeing the entire John Wick and Highlander universes for Lionsgate. Uh, Dolph Lundgren is saying that Drago movie that got reported a while ago is actually still happening and in development, we'll talk about that also and or Season 2, and or the best thing Star Wars has done since the original trilogy, apparently it's a lot closer to being finished than we thought, as they're saying it's going to be done shooting next week. Also, Jonathan Majors had a pretty bad week. He got dropped from that Dennis Rodman movie, and now his movie Magazine Dreams has been dropped by the studio. And according to the star of the show, Tatiana Mislani, good Canadian girl, She-Hulk Season 2 has been uh, canceled. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show podcast starts right now. Also, well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movement Show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show podcast, coming from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our good friends over at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but also hopefully giving you some background, context and information so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different than ours. Uh, joining me in studio today, we got Ray Aura. <laughs> <laughs> He's been obsessed with this Godzilla power-up sound. Uh, Jonathan Boyko is here. <laughs> got a follow-up to that. Hey, guys. <laughs> Writer, director, producer, Robert Meyer Burnett is here. I'm looking forward to having a fine time today, John. (laughs) Uh, As is everybody, because most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here making this show part of your day, and here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics that I listed off. Then in the last part of the show, we're going to take your comments and questions. We already asked our beloved YouTube channel members. And by the way, if you're not a YouTube channel member, consider signing up. We get questions from you guys every day. We also put up an ad-free version of the show every day. Go check it out. But also, if you're watching the show live and you got to be watching live, if you got a comment or question you want to fire in, go ahead and use the super chat feature in the live chat. The super chats are still open right now for the next little while. Again, we'll get to those at the end of the show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this. You know, I, I, I've talked about this before, but whenever I list off like my top 10 favorite movies of all time, It's different than everybody else's, like all top 10 lists. But every time I list off the movies, people go, oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a great one. The one on my list that always gets people to raise their eyebrow and go, wait, what? Is when I say the Christopher Lambert, Clancy Brown, Sean Connery classic. The Highlander. I love that movie. I I love it passionately. Equally hate the second one, but I love that first one. Well, about gosh, I want to say 10 years ago, maybe more, reports came out that Ryan Reynolds was going to be doing a Highlander reboot. And then they were apparently working on that for years, they said. And then all of a sudden, that kind of disappeared. Then a couple of years ago, we heard that Henry Cavill was going to star in a Highlander reboot and was going to be directed by John Wick director Chad Stahelski, And that got a lot of us excited But things have been very, very quiet on that front. Because, again, that announcement was years ago. They keep mentioning it, but we don't see anything. Well, now we've got some tangible movement. This comes to us from the folks at The Hollywood Reporter who said the following. Chad Stileski is finally making his long-just-dating Highlander movie. The director who's been developing the project for eight years now, since 2016, and now has it set as his next film. Henry Cavill is attached to star in Highlander, a reimagining of the 1986 film of the same name. Highlander's green light is part of a sweeping new deal, Stileski and Lionsgate announced on Tuesday. The pact will give Chad Stileski oversight of two franchises, Highlander and John Wick. So on a much, much smaller scale, this is kind of like Kevin Feige being given Marvel and Star Wars. Again, significantly smaller scale, but this is really, really big. This dude has now been given the shepherdship, if you will, of two, hopefully two, beloved franchises. The John Wick franchise, which has already enjoyed great success. It's not often you get four movies in a franchise where each one makes more money than the previous one, and that's been the path of the John Wick franchise. I even kind of liked The Continental. Series that was on what was that on Peacock? Peacock, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't think it was great, but I liked it, I had a good time with that anyway. And of course, the Highlander is finally coven with my man Henry Cavill as Connor McLeod or the Clan MacLeod. I cannot wait for this. This is a classic, great story that I think will benefit hugely from modern technology, modern storytelling tropes set in a more modern world, like in the 2020s instead of the 1980s. I think this is gonna be great. Key is going to be Kurgan. And we've heard some whispers about who's going to be Kurgan, but I can't say uh, right now. But anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Apparently, it is finally happening. Eight years in the making. It's his next film up. And he's been given kind of shepherdship, like I said, over it and the John Wick franchise. What do you make of this?
1: Well, here's the thing, John. Highlander is peak 80s filmmaking. It doesn't get more 80s. The transitions between the present and the past, Russell Mulcahy, the the, the way the movie looks. The, the Queen's, Queen's soundtrack. Score, I mean, everything about it, and part of its appeal is how 80s it is. Now, we also have the fantasy elements of it, the immortal elements of it, which were a little underdeveloped, and you can see the Adrian Paul series went way into that. There's a lot of potential with Highlander. I, I just think, though... And Selesky's the guy to do it. That you need to make whatever the twenty twenty whatever the 21st century equivalent is of that style. You know, and, and I think like w- with with movies like like Bullet Train, you know, it's, Bullet Train I thought was a really stylish, fun. Very fun film. Very fun movie. Really enjoyed it. You've got to lean into that because if you make a straight, you could do a straightforward Highlander story, and make it serious. But it, to make it Highlander, it's got to have, that extra and the guy the guy who brings John Wick to life is a man to do it so like you I'm excited about at least Highlander I think it's maybe they should call it Highlander Knights of the Old Republic no maybe they shouldn't but I, I mean I, I think that, that this will is never real, happen I think it's really cool I mean the John Wick movies everyone has made more money than the next people still love those movies and there's a great universe to be had there I mean maybe some of the people at the high table are actually immortal
0: Oh, imagine if they crossed those worlds over. I mean, which I don't think they would, but imagine if they crossed but over. But it the would, ma- it with would John suddenly Rick.
1: make sense because then you'd understand the high table more like,
0: oh. Oh, all- yeah, a few of them are immortals. They've been around for like five centuries.
1: Uh huh. And that's where they came up with all the, the coins, and you have to pay them. I the, now
0: love this idea.
1: Come on. I mean, why not? And you know what? Shared universe. And the funny thing about it is, why do you think there's so many like uh, the, the assassins or where do these people come from? And I mean, I'm not saying they should, but if they did, it's not as outlandish as crossing over, say, the Transformers with the Fast and the Furious franchise. I think Highlander and John Wick, there's a place they could
0: meet. The one mortal that the immortals are afraid of. Or John Wick. Or,
1: or, or Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe maybe that maybe he doesn't even know. Wait, that would
2: explain the ending of four.
1: Uh huh. He maybe wakes he, up. He doesn't know he's immortal. John Wick is immortal. He's Baba like, Yaga he, he, is immortal.
0: That, that's and then he's like that for. Oh, okay, I'm I'm officially loving this idea. Um, <laughs> also, don't forget though. Like Stileski said a while ago, he made this comment that said it's going to kind of be John Wick with swords. And I know some people got concerned about that, but as a huge Highlander fan, I'm like, yeah. That's what it should be. The big question I still have, and, and we brought this up before, is: I mean, they already said they're going to reuse some of the Queen soundtrack, which is great. Yeah, but they should also update it by half. But what band kind of does the rest of the soundtrack now? Is it like an Imagine Dragons? Is it? I mean, I, like some modern band? I I don't know, but that would be kind of fun.
1: I mean, it'd be because you know, Queen was such an arena rock band. It was. It had so many anthems and so many bangers. I don't know if there's the
0: equivalent of Queen. Not really. Today. Not really. There's not really a Queen equivalent. But so. but
1: maybe they can have you know you 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 pick multiple uh, groups because you, look you can't not have some kind of hip hop element in a modern movie. I mean because there's some I don't know who you don't want c- the film to just feel dated, right? And it, it would be I don't know. It's it's I'm just excited for it. I think it's gonna be good. I think Lionsgate they're the the fact that they're making this kind of deal with him, and they're moving forward, how can you not be excited? Not to mention when they make part two.
0: (laughs) It's got to be better than the (laughs) The planet Zeist is coming back. The immortals are actually prisoners from another planet who are condemned to immortality anyway. Ian McShane's immortal. Question is for you guys, what do you think about this? Let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You guys might remember a little while ago, I mean, we all know that Sylvester Stallone has a real problem with the current producers and the the owners of the rights of the Rocky franchise, made that feud very, very public. But while that was going on, a report came out that the producers of the Rocky franchise and the Creed franchise were looking at developing a Drago movie centered around... Dolph Lundgren and his son, Florian, I never knew how to pronounce his last name, but he was also in Shang-Chi. Dude's a monster. Dude's a beast. Anyway, and then I uh, you know, I guess Sylvester Stallone had some words about that, and then Dolph Lundgren got on social media and said, whoa, 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 I had no idea there was any problems there. I just assumed Sly was on board with this, blah, blah. blah. Well, a lot of time has passed, and now Dolph Lundgren is saying that Drago movie that we all kind of wrote off, may actually still be coming. This comes from the folks over at Coming Soon who wrote the following. Dolph Lundgren said about the movie, MGM was developing the script called Drago about my character and my son. I think what happened was the studio changed leadership and then Creed 3 did very well. So they just started preparing for Creed 4. This is last year. And then now there is a problem with a co-star in Creed 4. We all know what that is. Uh, That storyline they had on the Drago script was interesting. It was kind of a coming to America kind of immigration angle with me and the son, and it was pretty cool. You know, he goes on to talk about the fact that one of the ideas they pitched to him was that at the beginning of Creed II, that him and his son are actually in Kiev in the Ukraine. And they talked about the idea that this script is going to kind of incorporate the current war in the Ukraine as an impetus for Drago and his son to permanently try to come to the U.S., kind of make it a little bit of an immigration story. Listen, I'm not a big spinoff guy, and I am notorious, and I call myself out on it, and I admit it. When they announced Creed, I thought it was one of the stupidest ideas I ever heard. You want to do a Rocky movie where Rocky's not the main guy. And it's not even, like, the real Creed. It's the seed of Creed? You know, I I thought (laughs) the seed of creed, seed of creed, Creed seed, (laughs) creed seed. That's another spinoff you can do. But I thought it was a stupid idea, and then I saw it. Well, then I found out that Ryan Coogler was directing it, and Michael B. Jordan was in. And then I saw it, and I fell in love with it. Love the films, all that kind of stuff. And I gotta say, although the screen time is limited, I was fascinated by the story of Drago and his son. Like, even just the character without dialogue, the character work that was happening during that big final fight, where Drago himself is like, my son is more important to me than my vendettas, than my beefs, than whatever perceived glory or wrongs, and he throws in the towel to protect his son. Like, that was a massive story arc for a character. And the idea of having a Creed-like Movie, But about them, because, you know, in Creed 3, at the beginning of it, they were kind of setting up that Drago was going to be the next guy. The young Drago was going to be the next champion. He was going to kind of take that over. I mean, he he beat the hell out of Creed <laughs> earlier. So I got to tell you what, I don't think this is going to happen. All right, let me, I'll, let me go on record. I don't think this is going to happen. But mark me down as being interested in this. I think this could be an interesting story. Anyway, Rob, you read this. What do you think? Well, like you,
1: I, I, first of all, who doesn't like Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> you know, he's he's actually very intelligent, very educated. Doesn't he
0: have like three master's degrees yeah. or something yeah. like that?
1: Yeah, and he's got a great, I think he's got a great screen presence. I like the way he looks. I like the sound of his voice. And the fact that I think Rocky Four is my second Behind Rocky Five, it's my least favorite Rocky movie. Oh, I love Rocky Four, but mm. you know, it's I just it was too much of You're it right. was too montagey, and yeah, it didn't yeah. give it didn't give me what Not I liked. It was a
0: product 4. of the era that the movie yes, was made.
1: Yes, but I liked his character. You know, I like what he represented, and I think look, once you've made Creed work three times, doing a Drago movie and adding depth and adding. Um, character development, a father-son story, make it an immigration story, all of these things are are ripe to explore as far as drama goes and as far as, you know, the Rocky movies are concerned. It's amazing that the Rocky franchise is still continuing. Six Rocky movies, three Creed movies. This might be the 10th movie in the franchise for Rocky. I mean, it's crazy, but I like the idea, and why not? If it's good, look, if it's good, I'll watch it. And this... Like you, I, I was dubious about Creed, but I
0: really liked Creed. I thought it was a terrific movie. But if they do this, whether they do Creed 4 or do this Drago movie, someone's going to have to still explain to me how Apollo Creed's wife died and Rocky didn't bother to show up to their funeral. I mean, that, someone's still going to have to explain he, that to me. He, like even I know you could get someone Stallone there. Have a body double with the camera from behind wearing the classic... Hat that that uh, you know Rocky. But I, like, I just thought that was really weird. That was one of the weirder moments of the movie. For yeah, you. he probably didn't get
3: directions to it. So, um, he <laughs> did get directions. Like he was just like off camera, Joe. So uh, Rob, I need to ask you something. So you represent murder and drug use because that's what Drago did in Rocky Four. Okay, I understand murder he and was, ra- he was, just,
0: was it murder? It, it
3: was in murder the ring. In the ring. Come on, he murdered.
1: He should have been doping. He should have been doping, but that was because the Soviets were still the evil empire, which Mm -hmm. they're turning back into. Yeah, they were making him do that.
3: That, that, Do you guys see that being a problem right now with what's going on? Drugs and murder? No, not at all. Like Russia (laughs) and things, like uh, making a movie. Well,
0: I I think that could make it interesting because you don't make it about the geopolitical issue. Right, right, right. You make it about the personal story of somebody escaping that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Here's my problem with the film. His son, who are you going to get... That's believable. That could beat this kid. This guy is a mountain of muscle. I know in the real in real boxing, muscle doesn't mean anything. Actually, it's actually not good for you most of the time. Um, but in the Rocky world, Drago's punches change his lives. If, 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 if <laughs> Creed that. goes, if Creed goes on, if we get Creed Five where he gets older, the reason why if he goes dumb, it's gonna be because of uh, the the
0: beating Drago. Person. Drago,
3: not 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 uh, not Dam- what's his name, Damien. The guy yeah. Jonathan Majors play, Not the first guy he fought. It's going to be because of Drago. So who are they going to get that's going to actually look like a a good fight with, with Drago? Nobody. There's nobody. You. Yeah, Ray, at the gym, Ray.
0: No, this guy is a
3: big rock of muscle. I mean,
0: he, I, he's a and I like seeing this guy on screen. I yeah. really whether it was in Shang-Chi or this and I hope he gets more stuff. Yeah. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, uh, the Emmys just happened, and it was so good to see. Holy crap! A Star Wars show, Andor, getting nominated in all the most prestigious of the categories, including—and it was unimaginable a while ago—but including best drama series of the year, being nominated against Succession, being nominated against House of the Dragon, being nominated against all the best shows of the year. Andor is up there. I consider—you've heard me say it a lot. Season one of Andor is the best thing Star Wars has ever done since the original trilogy. Not as good as the original trilogy, but since then. And there's a few Star Wars things I love, but I think Andor season one is just the the, the top of the mountain other than the original trilogy. And we've been really anxiously awaiting about when's the season two thing going to happen. And I was kind of caught off guard when I heard Diego Luna say, oh yeah, we're practically done. This comes to us from the folks at CBR who wrote the following. Andor star Diego Luna finally shared a new production update for the highly anticipated season two of the hit Star Wars series, Andor. The good thing about Andor, he said, is we know it has an ending. It's nice to work knowing there's an ending. You can aim for something, Luna said, as he teased the epic end of the Disney Plus series. I have seven days left to shoot. Tomorrow, I'm flying back to London and we're finishing this. All right, Rob, you know my word. Tangibilization. Yes. It's now like it's real. Like knowing a lot of this has gone under the radar for me about keeping up to date with its production styles and stuff like that. And I honestly didn't know, you know, how far along they were or whatever. But to hear that they're now like less than a week away now from when he made that statement of season two being shot. And then all they got to do is finish off the post-production. We know they shoot. There's not going to be as much post-production to go into this as is something like House of the Dragon whatever. They shoot this all on practical sets. They do all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I don't expect that we'll get it. Well, maybe there's a slight hope we get it at the end of 2024. Probably more realistic beginning of 2025. But the fact that it's this far along, I love this. Uh, you know, The question I have though, Rob, is with the first season being as brilliant as it is, and that, that one scene, which I think on its own should have won an Emmy, that Skarsgård scene where he talks about, I give my life for a sunset I know I'll never see, right? That whole speech that he gives, it's one of the, the best moments of television I've ever seen. I just thought that was incredible. What challenges does an Andor season two face? Can they meet that high bar that they set with season one and when do you expect we might actually get this thing dropping on disney plus
1: well I, like you i think it's probably gonna be 2025 because there's gonna be a lot of post-production i would imagine a lot of visual effects a lot of work is going to go involved is going to be involved in this but i think here's the thing even though he says that they know that there's an ending it has to have so i think the end has to it has to end with some kind of a accomplishment of some kind Mm -hmm. for the characters this because the show has to work as a show too now we know tragically um maybe they'll have a great victory you know so whatever they're pulling off because i think the second season it's going to be blocks of three episodes and they're going to be each episode is going to be like a year right or a year apart or something like that so i would imagine that i would imagine the whole season is about putting into plan or putting into effect a master plan of some kind that's going to bridge the season and whatever that's going to be we're going to see the the accomplishment of it or the failure of it at the end of the at the end of the show either way i mean I, I don't know what that might be but i'm excited we know that the death star is probably going to play into it somehow um we'll probably see cameos of some kind but i love this show so much and i think that what's going to be i i look john i hope they go back and revisit rogue one and maybe give us an extended version mm. because we know that you know, it was darker. By the way, if I can plug the new designing Hollywood that went up on this channel this morning, I interviewed Greg Frazier, who was the director of photography of Rogue One. And he tells some good Rogue One stories about the making. And not of that. just
0: Rogue One. He was also the cinematographer of The Batman and a few other and high And Dune programs.
1: one and two. He's got Dune Two coming in and creator. But he tells some really interesting stories that I didn't know. But um look, I'm I'm really excited for this. As far as Star Wars is concerned, this is the most exciting thing I think that is coming down the pike that we know of, and we know it's actually getting made.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is actually happening. (laughs) You know? No question marks like this supposed Ray movie or whatever. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm super, super excited for this. All right, guys, listen. We still got to talk about a very bad week for Jonathan Majors, and he just had his film that was having some awards buzz just get dropped by the studio. Also, if you're looking forward to She-Hulk Season 2, I'm sure there are some of you out there uh, bad news, it sounds like it's been canceled. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campbell Show podcast, my mobile service provider, and they absolutely should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second and thank a sponsor of this video. Mint Mobile. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. I've told you guys many times that after switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my sell bill than I used to with a major carrier. Say goodbye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All Mint plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And don't worry about having to change phones or numbers. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com.com. Campia. That's MintMobile.com/Campia. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at MintMobile.com/Campia. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down. Let's move on to this. Hasn't been a good week for Jonathan Major. Let's let's face it; hasn't been a good year wasn't a good year for Jonathan Majors. It, it just recently, too, compounding on top of the fact that he got convicted on a couple of the charges he was facing. He's acquitted on a couple of the charges as well, but convicted on a couple. He hasn't been sentenced yet. But uh, earlier this week, it got announced that he was supposed to be starring in this uh, movie about Dennis Rodman. He officially got dropped from that. And now he's had this movie that's done, complete, in the can. Was supposed to come out in late 2023 called Magazine Dreams a movie that a lot of people were given some very enthusiastic awards buzz to. Some people saying it was the best performance of Jonathan Major's career. I had not seen it, but it did play at Sundance. Well, of course, the studio decided to postpone on releasing it until they saw what happened with the trial. The trial had its results, and now apparently the studio has dropped the film and it's back on the market. This comes us from The Hollywood Reporter, who wrote the following. Jonathan Major's magazine Dreams is officially back on the market. <clears throat> Nearly a year after Searchlight Pictures acquired the bodybuilding drama, the specialty arm of Walt Disney Studios has quietly returned the rights to the, of the movie to the filmmakers, who will now shop it to other buyers. The movie the move comes mere weeks after Majors was convicted of assault and harassment, stemming from an incident involving his ex-partner Grace Jabari. Searchlight delivered the news to the magazine Dreams team late last week, and it would not be that it would not be releasing the film, according to sources. All right. So not only did majors get dropped from that, and, and of course we've talked in the past couple of months a number of projects that that uh, Jonathan was dropped from. Now this movie that they were so, we were all kind of interested to see what would happen. I kind of thought Disney would just quietly drop it on Disney Plus or Hulu, to be honest with you. But apparently it's now gone back on the market. So that means it's a free agent. Other studios, streamers, whatever, can come around and put in a bid to, to pick it up. However, I don't know if right now there's going to be hot and heavy bidding for this project. And if there is bidding, it's going to be lowball. It's like putting your Corvette on the market and hoping to get, you know, a $150,000 offer. Only word got out that there's no engine, and all of a sudden you're getting a $5,000 offer on the car. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to be the reality for Magazine Dreams right now. Now, listen. I've been on record that I do think Jonathan Majors' career can recover eventually. I made an entire editorial video very specifically going through, and you can find it on the channel, specifically going through exactly what it was and what the charges were that he was found guilty of, and as importantly, if not even more importantly, what the jury determined he was not guilty of. For example, the jury determined that Jonathan Majors did not intentionally harm anybody. They ruled that he did harm somebody, but they said it was not intentional. It wasn't his intent. It was through reckless behavior, and and that's led to that and all that kind of stuff. And he needs to be held accountable for it, and he is being held accountable. But because of that, I do believe in the long run, I I think his career will be able to rebound at some point. But it's not today. And there are going to be some people who don't understand business who are going to cry foul and I say this as a big fan of Jonathan Majors's talent and and his his as an actor. But <clears throat> there are gonna be some people who say it's not fair that Searchlight dropped the movie. It's guys, fair has nothing to do with it. This is business. And it's not about what's what what does Jonathan Majors deserve or not deserve? It's not about any of that. It's just a business where this studio is now looking at this product they have, and that's what a movie is, it's a product. It's a piece of art, but a product nonetheless. And they say, we think this is going to cause us more problems. It's not a judgment on Jonathan Majors. It's not a judgment on anybody. It's just that from a business point of view, this project is going to cause us problems. We can't put a lot of marketing money into it. We're going to have, you know, some backlash come back at us if we release it. So it's just in our best interest, has nothing to do with Jonathan Majors. It's just in our best interest right now to not be associated with the project, so we are going to let it go. And let it go back on the market, we're going to return it to the filmmakers, and they can go shop it around. But Rob, I don't know what kind of market there's going to be <coughs> for Magazine Dreams. I mean, maybe somebody with some foresight can look at this and go, you know what, we can probably pick this up for a steal right now. Like at 5% of their original asking price, and then let's sit on it for two years. And then release it in a couple of years. That way we've got this bargain basement price, awards quality film. And maybe a year, two years, three years when the smoke is settled, we'll mount a little bit of a campaign. We'll release it on Netflix, Paramount Plus, release it theatrically, whatever. But I just don't think it's going to get a lot of action right now. What do you think is going to come of this?
1: First of all, let me just say that I don't want to make light of Jonathan Major's situation. But I'm thinking about Elijah uh, Byram. Who is Elijah Byram? He's the writer-director of this film, and I can't as a... Some
0: people were saying he was going to be the next big thing as the, a result of this I movie. I mean,
1: I, I can as an independent filmmaker. I know how hard it is, one, to get a movie made to try and to raise funds for a movie, and then to make a film that is is not only great, considered great in the festival circuit, but gets picked up by Searchlight, which is one of the most prestigious, one of the most Academy Award-winning indie film acquisition and and distributors that we've ever seen. This filmmaker, I don't know how long it took him to get the movie made. It could have been the result of, of, of years of work to make the film he made and to have it get the response it, it got. And then to have it picked up for distribution is, is the realization of a lifelong dream. Yeah. And I, I can't, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot that, and all the people that worked on this film, this film does not have a million producers. It has four. And so the people that got this movie made really believed in it. And I keep thinking about them, you know, that they did their jobs. They won. And then to have victory snatched away from them like this, I uh, I really, and, and the rest of the cast and crew, is, as Kane says, it it really bums me out because it's so hard to make it in this business. And here's somebody that that did it. You know, And because of the power of, of what happened is completely out of his hands, I understand, and people need to be punished for their actions. But I just can't, can't stop thinking about
0: the people that made this film. And we've seen that a lot in the last couple of years, right? Like where people who poured their blood, sweat, and tears, tens, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people who poured their blood, sweat, and tears into a project, and then all of a sudden that project gets poisoned or, or sullied, if you will, because of the actions of one person that then kind of makes the project undesirable to to the companies that would come along and support it which yeah. it really sucks for those people
1: no it really does and I, 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 I my heart breaks for them and but I mean luckily it could have been thrown away it could have been put on a shelf and the fact that, they could have backgirled it yeah and it, it, they could have and the fact that searchlight gave the film back, I think they know how good it can be. It's just Disney as a company can't be seen
0: as releasing this film. Maybe another company will pick it up. What Hopefully. do you think, ultimately? like Again, I have a theory that I don't think anybody's going to pick it up and release it right now. No. I think, and this is, again, it's too bad for the producers of this movie because they're going to get ripped off now because they're going to have to sell the rights to this at a bargain basement cheapo price. And then someone's going to take it. And what I think is going to happen, somebody, whether it's a, a, a Paramount, a Universal, a Netflix, whatever, are going to pick it up and then sit on it for a couple of years. Do you see that happening? I no, know. I, I think that's exactly next? what's going to happen. And you know, the real
1: tragedy of all this is Jonathan Majors is an electrifying performer. When he's good, he's really, really he's, good.
0: I'll say he's Oscar caliber. His, and his talent physical, level is Oscar his physical caliber.
1: presence in this movie, he turned into a monster to do this film. I mean, physically, he looks fantastic. And I really was looking forward to seeing this film. You don't hear a movie that has this kind of buzz. And it's.
0: It just bums me out all the way around. All right, guys. Question is, what do you think is going to happen with this film? Forget what you think should happen or shouldn't happen, what's fair, what's not fair. Those are irrelevant questions. What will happen, do you think? I kind of think somebody will pick it up for a bargain-basement price and maybe release it in a couple years. Maybe there's an avenue for it to get released right away. I don't know. Whatever you think, let us know. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, (laughs) She-Hulk, it says something about the project, right? When all you got to do is say the title and everybody snickers. She-Hulk, I will stand by this, was a show with a lot of promise. And on paper, could have been great. A Ally McBeal style legal procedural about a girl who is now struggling, not just with her law career, but struggling with the new reality of superpowers And then how does that affect her daily life? Like something as simple as dating. In theory and on paper, I think that is the makings for a banger show. That could be a great show. And the first episode came out and I thought, okay, we saw some of the manifestation of that promise. I thought the first episode was pretty good. But as I've said many times in this show, you can do everything right on a comedy, but if you do not make it funny, ain't nothing going to save you. And unfortunately for She-Hulk, the show is just not funny. Now, Humor is the most subjective of all things. Maybe some of you guys did find it funny. And if so, that's great. I celebrate that. But for me, somebody who was excited about the show, again, you got an Emmy award-winning actress in Tatiana Maslany, good Canadian girl. You know, coming out there and, and, and doing things. thing. I thought there was a lot of promise. I was excited about this show. And they just kept cracking jokes that just kept making me, my face go, huh? What? Is that supposed to be funny? And don't get me wrong. There were a couple of moments. There were a couple of moments. Daredevil doing the big walk of shame. Thought that was one of the funniest things I've seen on TV in a year. But one or two scenes does not a series make. And it just fell flat. And if you're a comedy that's not funny, you're dead. And... It was kind of surprising that after the show was done, there were immediate reports that Disney was looking to develop a season two. But according to Tatiana Mislani herself, sounds like that ain't going to happen. This comes from CBR. Who wrote the following? Tatiana Mislani was asked about the chances fans will see She-Hulk season two after it was reportedly in development at Marvel Studios. However the actress downplayed the possibility, suggesting the Disney Plus series most likely won't get the go-ahead for season two due to budget concerns. I don't think so, she said. I think we blew our budget, and Disney was like, no thanks. So, a couple of things I want to address. By the way, she looks great there with her Emmy Award. She looks fantastic. It was an expensive show. It was a really expensive show. And clearly, after they spent all the money on the visual effects, they had nothing left to pay some decent comedy writers. Um, but it was a very, very expensive show, which means that the bar for success just got higher. You make this show for $50 million instead of $250 million, the bar for success is lower, right? The expectations aren't as high. You achieve certain things at $50 million, that's good enough. At $250, it's not. And producing an unfunny comedy at $250 million is not going to get the job done. It generated a lot of bad buzz. It became the latest on a pile of underwhelming Marvel Cinematic Universe product that we've been getting accustomed to getting lately. It lowered the bar. And with something like that, Disney can't look at that and even say, look, even if they cut 40% of the budget and say, did did season two for $150 million? No. And and I'll tell you what. In as much as I said that I think this show was a failure, it it was tried to be a comedy that just wasn't funny. I was still kind of hoping to see a season two because again, the premise had promise. You bring in the right writers and the right comedy writers who know how to make this stuff funny and make us laugh and get us on board with it. The premise itself could have worked. You actually fulfill that promise of making an Ally McBeal in the MCU. Gold could be there. So even though I hated the first season. I thought there was at least potential that maybe with the right people, you could have turned it around. But if I'm at the board of Disney and they come in and say, we need to put it to a vote. Do we do a season two of She-Hulk? I'm saying no. So I'm not surprised. I feel bad for people who did enjoy the first scene. There are, there are more people than you think who actually enjoyed season one. And I feel bad for those people, but I get why they're pulling the plug on it. Anyway, Rob, you heard about this. We had heard that they were still going to develop a season two, which I thought, There could still be some hope and potential. You surprised to hear Tatiana Maslany saying, no, it's not going to happen?
1: No, I I was really looking forward to this show, and I thought it was one of the most witless, poorly written, poorly conceived television shows, genre shows that I've ever seen, because it was all right there. You described exactly what the show should be. If you go back and you consult the John Byrne run, the fourth wall breaking run of (laughs) She-Hulk, all of it is right there. And I felt that the writers decided, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like they wanted to do their own thing. And and their own thing didn't work at all because they didn't have a thing. And I, it was so frustrating to watch this show because it promised one thing. And the comic book already laid out what kind of a show it could be. And I was really looking forward to the Ally McBeal within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like what does that mean? Like, what does it mean when a, a lawyer becomes a superhero and has to deal with she gets recruited simply because a law firm wants to use, get into superhero cases, make some more money, and we're your, you're our front person? There was, there was so much there that was – it writes itself, and it's almost as if the writing staff pushed back against all of that and said, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do that as if they'd never read comic books before never understood the premise or the potential. And I found it so frustrating to watch. And I watched every episode. We talked about every episode on this show. And it made me angry. <laughs> and they had Tatiana Maslany, they had the perfect actress. Perfect for it. The perfect Absolutely actress. Absolutely perfect for it. And she was given nothing. I mean, she's a great actress and she's a deft comedian. She She could have done anything. And it, for me, this show is an ultimate failure of writing and it shows when a showrunner has no concept of what they're supposed to be doing.
0: You know you know what is the scene that kind of embodies what I think everything that went wrong with she Hawk was? Do you remember that one episode where they had this one client who's kind of an immortal guy, I guess, and he's got like 18 ex-wives? Yeah. And they're all like lining up to sue him, right? Okay. Again, in premise, there's some good stuff you can do there. Sure. But as you sat and watched that episode, all these jokes <clears throat> that they were writing, everything that they were putting on paper that they thought, and pause here for when the audience laughs, it was dull. It was predictable. It was lowest hanging fruit. And it just wasn't funny at all. So instead of a really cool, you because you could only do this in the MCU. You couldn't do this on Amelie Beale a guy who's got all these lifespans because of his powers. He's got like these 18 women that he's married and then mysteriously ditched and ghosted. There's some really cool stuff you could do with that. And they utterly failed a on premise F on execution. And it's just, that's why there was a part of me that was still kind of hoping that, you know, maybe, maybe there's an argument to do a season two. Clean out the writer's room, bring in people with actual comedy experience. Yeah. Fuck it. Get Larry David in. Just let Larry David run the fucking writer's room. Or, or, and, and I think it, it could have been good, but it just fell on its You place.
1: know, here's a show, like I always complain about Star Trek lower decks or something, but here's a show that could have benefited from a Rick and Morty or an Archer sensibility. Some with a writing staff that totally understands the genre understands comics, understands all of these things and could have made this work. And I felt that the the writing staff on this show was like completely mismatched to the material. Yeah. 100%. Witless. I, witless is the word that comes to
0: mind you know all maybe the time. You know what makes it frustrating too? Is you look at Disney Plus, and, and we've we've documented a lot of the failures that they've had at Disney Plus, but you look at them right now, right? They've got this Percy Jackson show, which is really good. It's really good. So it, it becomes even more frustrating when you look at it and you say, you clearly can make some top-notch stuff because i think percy jackson's been delightful like why can't you bring that same passion and that same commitment and that same you know um attention to detail with hiring the right people like hey let's if we're going to make a comedy let's fill a room with comedy writers i i don't know it's really frustrating. It's sad to hear. I hope Tatiana gets another crack at playing the character somewhere in the MCU, maybe in somebody else's show, maybe on the big screen. I don't know. Maybe she pops up in Secret Invasion. I have no idea. But I think she got done dirty. I think Tatiana she got did. really got done dirty. Anyway, guys, what do you think about all this? Jump on down in the comments and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that all down, it's time for us to go over and start taking your observations, comments, theories, and questions. But before we do, we're going to take another second here and thank a couple of more sponsors of today's episode of the John Cabo Show podcast, our friends at BetterHelp and Mando. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Better help. Guys, it's a brand new year, and a lot of people are making New Year's resolutions. You know, things they want to change about themselves. But I've always believed that it's also equally as important to identify the things we're doing well and building on those. And therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I've always believed that nothing impacts our daily performance in our jobs, our hobbies, our relationships, like our mental health. And I've also said for a long time that it's about time that we stop just putting emphasis on improving our physical health by getting out to the gym, but also by putting emphasis on improving our mental health as well. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So guys, celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash campia. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mando. Mando Whole Body Deodorant is the all-terrain vehicle of deodorants. It goes everywhere. Put it in your pits, package, feet, back, knees, Everywhere, Because something all of us guys know is that body odor happens all over your body. So why are we just putting on deodorant in our pits? Mando is powerful. It's clinically proven to control odor everywhere, but gentle enough to use in your sensitive bits too. Just try Mando's Cologne Quality Scents and smell the difference from your underarms to your underballs. And a special offer for John Campia Show audience members, new customers get $5 off a starter pack with our exclusive code and link. Use the code CAMPIA at... At shopmando.com, s h o p m a n d o.com. I have been loving using Mando because it goes on smooth, it feels clean, and it leaves me smelling great. Mando is created by a doctor who saw firsthand how normal BO was being misdiagnosed and mistreated, and it is clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. And Mando's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant. Two free products of your choice, like mint body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. And again, as a special offer for John Campia Show audience members, new customers get $5 off a Mando starter pack with the code CAMPIA at (laughs) shopmando.com. Ah, Japanese girls. And thank you (laughs) to our friends at BetterHelp. You're totally out of context. You have no idea what we're talking about. And Mando for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys. With that down, let's get over to your questions, shall we? Jonathan, what do we got up here first? We've got Demaris Love, who says,
2: "Will the Super Bowl show other studios' uh, movie trailers since it's streaming on Paramount Plus?"
0: Yeah, every network yeah. is associated with the studio, and every year, uh, various studios will have their advertisements play. Um, it's uh, so yeah. And by the way, it's not only streaming on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. So yes, you will see. Uh, any studio that wants to advertise and pay the whatever it is, $7 what? million dollars for a 30-second spot or whatever, you will see those trailers. Which network has it? What's that? Which network has it? Well, if it's also going to stream on Paramount+, Plus, I'm going to guess it's CBS. CBS, right? That's okay. going to be my guess at any rate, so maybe. All right, what's next? Yeah, we got <laughs>
2: some uh, support from Rudy and then Thank James Wheeler. Thank you, Rudy. Wheeler. Yeah, and then James Wheeler with a $20 Super Chat. Thank you, James. Um. Hey everyone, speaking of Tatiana Maslani, I forgot she was in Eastern Promises. I totally forgot that too. I completely I forgot that. Watched again last night and still love
0: so good. You know what? Really good. In in a world and in, in, in a Hollywood you where know. fight scenes and action scenes are glamorized and shock pow bam. <laughs> I re- I still remember Eastern Promises. That freaking bathroom fight. It was intense. Like, it was it was so intense because it felt so real mm-hmm. like that's what a fight like that would be like yeah. right it's it's a it's an incredible movie i completely didn't know tatiana Mislani was in that i have to go back now see where was she Is in She that? the lawyer no 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 she that, had to that's be too young yeah she must have been really young yeah i gotta i gotta have to go back and check that out yeah, great movie though great movie all right what's next uh john redcorn
2: says I like the She Hulk character and hope we see her again, but the show was just unwatchable, so not gonna miss it. And they've completely
0: devalued Hulk. Well, listen, the devaluing Hulk, that had nothing to do with She Hulk. Like that, they were doing that in the MCU long before She Hulk came out. So, as much as I complain about family barbecue attending Hawaiian shirt wearing Hulk, they put him on the path to that long before She Hulk. So, you can't blame She Hulk for that. But I agree. I thought the character was interesting. Again, I'll go back to the premise of the show. An Ally McBeal style show where this girl suddenly, unwantingly, gets these superpowers and now is struggling with even the idea of being a woman with these powers, working in a legal field and trying to navigate life, family, and dating. That's gold. And I think Tatia Maslany brought all the charm and heart to it that that you needed having the character. I agree with you. I like the character. Me too. I just disliked the show. Wong excluded. The Wong stuff was delightful. but yes. uh, But yeah, the the character was good, show bad. It's unfortunate that it worked out that way. All right, what's next? We got uh, support
2: from Rudy. And then uh, Raymond Verada says, since the VFX budget of She-Hulk was pricey, can the show go old school? Lou Ferrigno style, Tatiani did post on IG that she uh, has a She-Hulk double.
0: Okay, first of all, bring up the, that quote cool graphic I got on my screen again. Oh, okay. Uh, let me bring that yeah, up. If, if we've got yeah. that set up. But I don't know if you can tell from, maybe, can, uh, I don't know if you can turn my picture off or not, but maybe you can just tell from what's up there. Tatiana in shape. Like, you lo- look at her arms and her shoulders, and like, this girl is in shape. You No, you can't just slap green paint on her and make her She-Hulk. She Hulk is like seven foot two and <clears throat> like not human. So, no, you can't go old school. It ain't the 1978s anymore. And yeah, nobody would buy it. No, nobody would go for it. I mean, I, 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 I like where you're, where you're thinking is like, is there a way to like chop the production of this into 75% less? But yeah, that's not one of the options, unfortunately. <laughs> as great a shape as Tatiana's in, I don't think you can do They
2: could it. do it as like a, a meta joke on not now the show's gone but you know what it'll and then look like, like cut be like oh wait this isn't right look at the camera somehow it'll
0: know. look like kamala khan ms marvel's dad mm-hmm. that's what you remember that that <laughs> but they do it as a joke that's I'm what saying. it would look like right yeah i'm
2: saying they do it as a joke
0: uh yeah, but yeah. i don't know I, you can do it as a joke for a scene i don't think you can do it as a no, series though not, not beyond <laughs> the that. meta-ness uh, of it wears off i yeah. think all right what's next yeah
2: it was just like a broken fourth wall there Uh, Kyle Schneider writes, uh, Hey John, if I'm not wrong, you still need to see poor things, but are you still going to give us your top 10 of 2023
0: after you see it? Nope. Uh, That's too late. Gone. Yeah. Uh, like I know a lot of people get upset with me. Boo hoo. Um, but like, I've, I've got a couple of rules for myself. If I, if for whatever reason, whether I'm traveling sick or whatever, if I don't get around to seeing a movie in the first three days that it's out, I don't review it. And It's now weeks since the end of 2023. It's too late for me to do a top 10 of 2023 or anything like that. So it sucks. I wish I had, but I didn't, and it's too late for me to do it. So no, I'm not going to do one. All right, what's next?
2: Miguel says, hey, guys, greetings from Toronto. Not sure if you guys talked about it, but thoughts on the Spaceman trailer with Sandler. I'm excited for his performance.
0: Yeah, we chatted about it a little bit yesterday. Here's the thing. I am excited for the movie. What I said yesterday, I'm excited for the movie because it's Adam Sandler doing what he should be doing at this point in his career, leaning into his insane dramatic chops. He's so good. And so I'm excited to see the movie. I I didn't think the trailer was all that great, to be honest with you. It sets up the premise, which I think is an interesting premise. I didn't think it was all that great of a trailer but I am excited to see the movie. What what did you think about it? I forgot.
1: I well, you know the director of it directed um Johan uh, Johan Renick and he directed Chernobyl. And he's oh, an wow. he's an incredible director and I I I liked the trailer it reminded me of one of my favorite books of last year which was Andy Weir who wrote The Martian he wrote a book yeah. called uh, Project Hail Mary that's one of my favorite yep. science fiction novels. I mean I I read it in one sitting. It's an amazing book. Kind of reminded me of that, but
0: it looks really, it looked really intriguing to me. I, you know, I'm wondering, is that creature even real? Well, I mean, that's going to be the big question, you right? Know, right, right, right. It, and they're probably not even going to answer the question by the end of the movie. It's going to be left up to interpretation. It's going to be like was a Solaris 2001 real? ending kind yeah. of thing. But I thought it looked
1: really, really good. It was intriguing and, and it definitely, uh, that's a must watch for me. I can't wait to see it. And um, kudos for uh, Adam Sandler making a film like that. You know, and his co-star, I mean, she's... Obviously, we're seeing her in Maestro now, and I love her. So, all right, what's next? Uh, Kyler
2: says, too many recent Marvel projects have had world-changing events that didn't
0: change the world. This is part of the problem, and I've been talking about this since the early 2010s. One of the big problems about shared cinematic universe in particular, but also just superhero movies and stuff, is... When you fail to change gears... See, one of the things Marvel did early, Rob, that was one of the keys to their success was their movies were constantly changing gears, right? Like, save the city, save the world, save my family, save... like, And so movies were changing gears, like, all the time. So it always kept it fresh, it kept us on our toes. But what Marvel has fallen into in the last number of years is at some point, it's about saving reality, saving the world, saving the multiverse, like everything is just that. And they just don't know how to change gears anymore. She-Hulk could have been that, right? She, I mean, so they had the right idea that She-Hulk was going to be, Hey, she's not saving the universe or the multiverse. She's trying to figure out dating when she's a seven foot two green muscle machine. Okay, great. Change of gears. Unfortunately, it kind of flopped, Um, (laughs) but they got to get back to that making movies again that are about, Saving the girl, saving the family, saving the neighborhood, saving a scientist, saving a, a whatever, save the cheerleader, save the world. I mean, they got to get back to changing these gears up because we've just become desensitized to, oh, no, what's the next threat that's threatening all of reality? Because that's that seems to be their only card they play anymore. All right, what's next? <clears throat>
2: We got Jay Loco. Wow, Marty was right. Never doubt him. Killers is cinema greater than Marvel DC of twenty twenty three. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to watch it again. Hey Ray, three
0: and a half hours flies by, my boy. Well, no, it doesn't. When Ray's asleep, it does. <laughs> no, no, listen. It's a, a Killers is a fabulous movie. It, it does not. The three and a half hours do not fly by, but it is a fabulous movie. <laughs> they um, do not. But I mean, yeah. But there's not a high bar to say that it's better than anything DC or Marvel in 2023. Uh, I, I would list a couple of Marvel films that I think are better than Killers of the Flower Man. Not from 2023. <laughs> Not from 2022. Um, but yeah, listen. Whatever you think, whatever position you take about... let us I'll be frank. Some of the stupid things that Martin Scorsese said. None of that takes away that he is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And when he makes a movie... You damn well better pay attention to it, even if it's three and a half hours long. Uh, He's just one of the all-time greats and always will be, whether he likes comic book movies or not. All right, what's next? Dr. Mm. Stinky says, John and
2: crew watched uh, At Eternity's Gate for the first time. Oh, dear. Yeah, uh, that film is amazing. One of the best films I've seen in a while.
0: Oh, 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 well, I take it. I was thinking of Heaven's Gate. (laughs) I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? It was a
1: documentary and about Heaven's Gate, but
2: yeah. which
0: one is Eternity's Gate? I
1: don't know. I, I, when he said at Eternity's Gate, yeah, I, is I, it I was, a was new thinking movie? Heaven's
0: Gate for a second, but I, I don't know which movie we're talking about. To be honest with you, I, I've forgotten. Oh, I d- Has Willem Dafoe? Oh, he's
2: yeah, he's playing. Um, oh gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, the, on, is on, the artist on the, the artist,
1: Vince Van, Van Gogh. Van Gogh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. Okay, that yeah, was yeah. called Eternity's Gate. At Eternity's Gate, yeah.
0: I thought it had a completely different title. Uh, anyway, I've you know.
1: not seen it, but <clears throat> heck, I'll watch it.
0: By the way, you know what Willem Dafoe movie came out that I never did see, and I was really—do fa- you remember the trailers came out for this Willem Dafoe oh, movie, Room or whatever? Where yes, he's... where he was a burglar, yeah, and he was hired to break into it. It was out and for two weeks. Get out! It
2: was so—it was such a small
1: release.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. Poof, came and yeah. went, and I don't He, a he was
1: on Larry Mantle yesterday air talk on NPR uh-huh. here in LA. Great, great interview with him. I listened to it on the way here. People and, are saying, uh,
0: in the live chat, are saying it was called Inside. Oh, Inside,
1: yeah, inside. not The Room. Mm. Yeah, 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 A Room, yeah. Not to be confused with the French banger horror film oh, called The Inside.
3: Oh, so, that is horrible. It's so good. That is, that's the first film where I actually felt sick to my stomach and oh. Especially the ending, like... Like oh, the sick. ending is the best! Oh my God, I can't believe you just remember. And it stars me. Betty Blue. What's the name of it? Inside. Inside. Oh, all right. What's next? So nasty man.
2: Uh, so good. Uh, Kyler's back. Succession, Yellowstone, House of the Dragon are all remakes of The Godfather,
0: just with a different setting. <clears throat> yes and no. Let's not <laughs> pretend The Godfather, which is the greatest gangster movie of all time, but let's not pretend The Godfather is the first gangster film. Let's not. Let's not pretend that even the great Godfather. Wasn't influenced by other things. Well, I see Yellowstone more as Sons of Anarchy on horses. That's kind of how I see it. But. even
1: Coppola said that when he took over the Godfather and was rewriting it, he made it a movie about a king and his three sons. Yeah, that just happened to be yep. set in the world of the mafia.
0: By so. the way, a bunch of people asked me because what we were just talking about a minute ago. Do I think uh, Across the Spider Verse was better than Killers of the Flower Moon? Yes, I still think Kill- I still think Spider Man Across Spider Verse is the best movie of the year. So that means I think it's better than Killers. of F- I also think it's better than Oppenheimer. There, there you go. I think it's the best movie of the year. But there you go. All right. Come
2: on. What's next? All right. The <laughs> cinema says, "Have you seen the trailer uh, for Freud's Last Session with Anthony Hopkins as Sigmund Freud and Matthew Good
1: as C.S. Lewis?" Did
2: I have they seen, not yeah. show
0: us a little a little clip of that at uh, I uh, think they CinemaCon did. last year? You yeah, know. Yeah.
1: I really wanted to see it, but then I heard a review of it or read a review of it, and it said that neither man, neither character, is written the way they would actually talk. Mm. And I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis. You know, I've read I've mere, read a lot of C.S. Lewis. You know, I read Mere Christianity. I read the Screw Tape Letters, and then he wrote a science fiction trilogy, the out of the Silent Planet, That Hideous Strength, and Paralandra, and then Narnia books. And I mean, I, and his nonfiction stuff about religions really worth reading, whether you're a Christian or not. Really good stuff. All right,
2: what's next? Uh, Downwell writes, how do you feel about the rumor Avengers
0: 5 shoots in late 24? Hmm. I I mean, it's not an unbelievable thing when you consider how long it would take. You're probably talking about a lot of movies you shoot in two months. An Avengers-level movie, you shoot in four, five, or six months. And then whatever post-production goes into that, and then they're aiming for, what, 2026? For the first one to come out? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not, outside of the realm of who, possibility. Were who the thing. Avengers? We, that we still don't. Oh, know. Who are they? Who's in the Avengers? Who's, Who's on the lunchbox? Lunch yeah. I have no idea. But it's not, it's not a crazy thought that they, if they want something like that to be ready to go, in twenty twenty six, that starting production in something like a late twenty twenty four. I, I still think it'll be later than that. But it's again, it's not inconceivable. All right, inconceivable. what's next? Inconceivable. Amin writes, Disney already released
2: their 2024 Disney Plus release calendar, and it didn't include and or season two. Uh, I still hope they can squeeze it uh, out by the end of the year. I th- that's probably going to be 25, right?
0: Yeah, but Disney also had Star Wars Celebration, where they announced all the upcoming movies, and none of them was Mandalorian. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, that's the next movie shooting. Uh, I mean, so, yeah. Well, again, look, I don't anticipate it's going to come out in 2024. But I believe there's a possibility it could. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just being optimistic, but we'll see. I mean, it depends how many. If they have 12 episodes, I,
1: I can't imagine they're going to finish them all in the time allotted in a year. That's a lot of time for a Star Wars post-production schedule to be compacted. Is it, though, into a-
0: is it because remember, they shot a bunch of this before the writer strike happened and before the actor strike, right?
1: Oh, that's and, true. And
0: this is one of those things where they're doing post-production.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true, but still. As
0: production is going on, and we're still almost, we're just a little under a full year away from the end of 2024.
1: It used to be that a two-hour Star Wars movie took three years, then it took two years, but they've got 12, they've got the equivalent of six Star Wars movies to finish.
0: <clears throat> but not the same budget, or same scale. No. So a lot of practical sets. I, I, I don't know. I think it probably, I think they could be ready by the end of 2024, but... Again, I if I had to put five bucks on it, I'd say it's going to come out in first quarter twenty twenty five. My guess. All right, what's next? Uh, stop
2: or Gustop? Uh, High crew with Monarch being over now. Uh-huh. Uh, it <laughs> it was great. What are your thoughts on the show? How it ties in with the movies? Where do you think the story may be going? Has Susan or season two been announced?
0: Uh, thanks, and bring on the filthy. The show was fantastic. It, it it lived up to all my hopes. It was a truly wonderful show. I love the characters. I love the human. I love the fact that even like one of your uh, Hiroshi was so flawed. Like this dude was a major asshole. He's the hero of the show in, in many ways, but he was a major asshole. He had a secret family. I, and I love that they did that. I love that they made him kind of messed up. I mean, look at the way he had to grow up. He's messed up. Uh, I love the way it ended with that I don't think it was Kong. He had the big gray beard. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was Kong. Maybe it was, I don't know. The show was great. I don't give two squirts of urine about how it ties into the movies. I really don't. The show was great. That's all I care about. I mean, obviously it had tie-ins with the, the the other company that eventually makes the Mechagodzilla and, Clearly, they, there are tie-ins, yes, but I, quite frankly, don't care about the tie-ins. The show's either good or it's not, and the show was great.
3: Did it Did it feel like to you, John, the show, like, if you kept up with it, which they had, the human stories, they were very intriguing, that yeah. they rewarded us with, in back of my head, what I wanted to see the whole time, but didn't get. But they rewarded us in, like, such a way where it, it would come, like, after a few episodes, and then it would come. I'm talking about Godzilla. You know all what I mean, right, yeah. and his his entrances in all the and ep- the episodes that he was in were so great, especially the last one when he. Came out, oh, I was every like, time Godzilla
0: whoop. showed up, it was epic. Yeah, yeah, that you never got desensitized to it. Like you never got over that awe and wonder, whether it was in the desert or whether it was the flashback to G Day, yep, or whether it was when they lured him out in the the uh, the uh, cove yeah. with the with the device. Every time he showed up, you felt that awe and wonder they, of Godzilla. They teased you, too. Oh, they yeah. They
3: teased us well, too, like throughout the show.
0: Did such a good job with it. All right, what's next? Uh, Rudy says, uh,
2: does Space Man have an Andy Weir's The Martian Hail Mary vibe? Doesn't matter to me. Still going to see it. Your thoughts? Thanks. Bring on the filthy.
0: I didn't get any of those Rudy vibes. From can't fail. From it's, it's this, Honestly, you could take this out of outer space and make it about a recluse who just stays in his apartment in New York. I mean, really, you could do that. And then he's, he's, his isolation starts. And that's one of the brilliant pieces of the story is that it's almost kind of context independent. So I didn't get that feeling from it. It felt very original and, and I'm, I'm curious to see.
1: Well, I mean, just from the sake that, that a, an astronaut teams up with an alien that's a crab-like entity made of, so the spider aspect of it was very, it was similar, but the story seems totally different. Whereas in, in Andy Weir's story, you have a human being who also has to team up with an alien because both of their worlds are threatened with destruction from the same thing. And they, they, they have to figure out how they're going to talk to each other, how they're going to work together, how do their physics work. It, it, it's, f- first of all, that book is delicious. It is so much fun to read that book. It was so good. I can't. They're supposed to make the movie version with Ryan Gosling. Mm. I haven't heard nothing about that. All right, what's next? All right, Haunted Autumn,
2: yes, that was a Clash reference. Andy, um, (laughs) I was hoping for season two of She-Hulk to come only so I can get more Madison (laughs) and her interactions with Wong. That's all I want. I love her and Wong so much.
0: Listen, I, I think it's important to take movies and shows that you didn't like. I think it's a good exercise for all fans, actually. Take a movie or show you didn't like and reflect on what did work in it. Right? I I do that with movies that I hate. I I try to sit back and say, you know, but here's what did work in it. Because the worst of films, the worst of TV shows have things that work. She Hulk had a couple of things that worked. Like out of their 100 swings at the bat, eh, maybe they had 15 things out of the 100, but the Wong stuff, charming. I hated the Madison thing at first in court, right? And then I kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, again, the daredevil walk of shame, gold. I think anybody who didn't appreciate the Megan Thee Stallion thing she did doesn't understand She-Hulk because that was pure She-Hulk DNA. (laughs) That scene, I thought that scene was really funny. Uh, I liked the first episode. I thought that, unfortunately, the goodness of the first episode just set me up for massive disappointment for the rest of the show. But I I thought the first episode was good. I, I thought Tatiana gave a good performance. Um but again, man, you can list off all the stuff you want. If you're a comedy and you're not funny, and that's the problem. The show just did not make you laugh. And maybe they had 15 hits, but out of 100 at bats, that is not good. Not good. All right, what's next? All right,
2: Andy's back and says, <laughs> I like how uh, mutant mayhem in- uh, incidentally fulfills um, uh, Stanley's philosophical approach to X-Men, which is a theme of
0: acceptance through mutants. By the way, I'm gonna break a story for you right now. Gonna break a story for you. Oh, what is it? And and this, I'm not joking, not fooling around. This is true. But barring the complete collapse of Paramount, which I don't think Paramount will just implode. I think it'll either find a way to survive or they'll sell off or whatever. But despite the fact that it wasn't a huge box office success, I can tell you for fact. You can take this all you want. I can tell you for fact they are doing a sequel. Yeah. I can tell you 100% as a fact they are doing a sequel. People love this movie. I thought it was deli- – I don't even like this iteration. I do not like the yeah, modern iteration hate- of Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I thought this was an incredibly fun movie. I thought this was really, really good. So, anyway, yeah. All right, what's next? Going to Flavortown.
2: <laughs> uh, Cam- 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 Comb. Right, I've uh, been having fun watching short films, uh, shortlisted for the Oscars, specifically animated. I recommend Letter to a Pig, Eva, and 95 Senses.
0: Yeah, you know what? Here's one of the things that's unfortunate for people who want to see that stuff. We talked the other day about how when the Oscars are coming up, movie theaters like AMC have the Oscar showcase that they do every year. Where they take a weekend and show every movie that's nominated for Best Picture. I don't know that such a thing exists for short documentary or short live action or short animated. I don't know if such a thing exists for that. Anyway, have you heard of anything like that? No. I feel like I. <laughs> no.
3: But
1: I, I'm I wondering, th- like, like, do they have? Sometimes they would have. You know, you could go to a theater and see. They would. Screen yeah. all the shorts. Yeah, I
2: think I do recall AMC doing something for the animated shorts. You go and, and see them. They put them all together.
1: Yeah, like didn't they do that at the Burbank 16 once where yeah. you could go down and- But that is maybe, very rare. It's, it's, you know, it's not like it's every theater. But I would think that that would be something that they would, you know, like somebody might program, especially now. A, a weekend of shorts, like- Make it a Fathom event, maybe But are
0: people gonna buy tickets? I don't know. See that that that's the that's the unfortunate reality. Do you know what they
1: about. are re-releasing in the theaters? Fathom is David Lynch's Dune. Yes, yeah, I, saw I, I saw that. I saw that they're yeah. doing that. Yeah.
0: There's a Not hunger that, that has for anything Dune to do with there. Oscar animated <laughs> <laughs> shorts, <laughs> but <laughs> but that kind not yours. Short. Unfortunately, like I I get it. Every, everybody gets mad at me. When I talk about, listen, maybe you need to move the categories of the Oscars of short animated and short live action. The Oscars are too long. Everybody agrees. Guys, nobody cares about those categories. People get mad at me when I say that, but it's the truth. And I I think the very fact that we were just talking about that, that if they did, if the movie theater did go, hey, we're going to show all the nominees for best short, whatever. I don't think it's going to sell any tickets. And that's kind of why I think there should still be a category for those things. and I think people should be honored with Oscars, but I think they should move that to that the, the earlier night they do with the technical awards and stuff like well, that. Well, you know,
1: you and I have gone, gotten, gone back and forth about this, and I have to say I think that's not a bad idea only because you're asking people to watch an award show where awards are being given for things they couldn't see or haven't been able to see. So you're asking an audience to watch something that inherently they can't have any interest in because they weren't allowed to have an interest in it, and yet it's still part of the show. Documentary short subject, animated short subject, live action, you know, short. If we can't see these things, why? You put them on the, what is it, the technical
0: awards? Yeah, the technical night. Why not? Listen, I want to go back again to the Emmys. What did the the Emmys just put on a, and I'm not an Emmys guy, but the Emmys just put on a banger of a show. Every category that they did at the Emmys was stuff people were interested in, and a, the ton of other awards they did the week earlier at what they call the Creative Arts Night, where they still gave out some major awards. That's where... Why am I freezing on uh, Ron Swanson's real name again? Nick Offerman. Yeah. Nick yeah. Offerman. That's where Nick Offerman got his award. That's where Rex won And that's a big award. It's a big award. Best Animated got given <laughs> out at that. Right, they put it. They got a secondary night where they still give out real Emmys to honor those people, but for the main show, they save it for the stuff that the audience actually cares about and is interested in, or that could even see. (laughs) I mean, if audiences could see these things, they might care. Yeah, and I think so. I think they should expand, and they should change the name of the Oscar technical night and expand that uh, to. Oscars, the B-list night. No, no, don't call it B-list. But, but
1: creative arts or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah,
0: the, the creative Oscar celebration the or whatever. Night.
3: <laughs> we'll call it Oscars, what, what, or the art what, of cinema the, so. <laughs> <Why don't laughs> the, the Oscar asshole. Don't just say that. Tell him right. really feel the B-list night.
0: What's next? But
2: it's not B-list. <laughs> <laughs> the Oscars that nobody cared about. James McDaniel met, uh, says, Realized Nightcrawler turns 10 this year, so rewatched again. I legit think it's one of the best of the decade and Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance, uh, rad movie. That was one of my favorites
0: of the year.
3: Yeah, that was my favorite of the Movie's year. Movie's great. Of year.
0: If, correct me if I'm wrong. Jake Gyllenhaal didn't get an Oscar nomination for that role. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal... I think and I remember that was a year that was stacked. And I think any, everybody who got nominated... If they didn't, would have had people. But, but I remember because Jake Gyllenhaal was so good in Nightcrawler. By the way, people bring up Nightcrawler. Not enough people talk about Renee Russo in that movie. She's, She's great. So one of her one of her best performances, I think. That movie is utterly fantastic. Do
1: you know you can get a twelve inch action figure of that character? Really? A third party company made a Jake Gyllenhaal Nightcrawler action figure. I do not have it. Yeah, I don't. Think I would not. buy it though.
0: Eddie Redmayne won that year. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne won and. Uh, but I do I I think that he got snubbed for a nomination. He's only been
3: uh, nominated once, and that was, and for, that was for the back, Boston mo- broke
0: movie. Back. Oh, it was bro He didn't get. Didn't he get nominated uh, for that?
3: Nomin- supporting actor.
0: Oh, supporting actor. Because yeah. I thought he got nominated for that Boston Marathon bombing movie that he did.
3: No, he's been nominated once for supporting actor in Brokeback melon.
0: Oh
2: wow! So yeah, that year was Michael Keaton, Birdman, Benedict Cumberbatch, Imitation Game, Steve Carell, Foxcatcher, which. Wow, that was I that mean, was I thought it was going team. to him. He's Eddie so Randmane and then Bradley Cooper.
0: For sh- Ma- American Sniper? Sniper. Yeah. Yeah. So who do you take out of that list? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it that that feels so weird to say Jake Gyllenhaal did not get an oh, Oscar man. nomination.
3: They should have done it the next year. Released it the oh, next year. Oh my God. And yeah. then the yeah. two two of my
2: favorite movies that year were uh, <laughs> were, uh were uh were that was that and then uh, gosh, what was why can't I think he was drumming and and uh oh, J.K. Simmons. Whiplash, Whiplash and yeah. Nightcrawler, Miles my Teller. favorite two of, of that Whiplash year. Whiplash is so good. So good. All right. Sorry. All right, What's next? Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. X12 writes, hi, John and company. Glad you fixed your PC problems. As a fellow tech head, I'd love to hear about your new PC. Have you been at, to Micro Center in Tustin? It's like a candy store for all tech. Uh, I'll tell you. Content. So,
0: uh, of course, Monday we didn't have a show because we came in and our main production computers just wouldn't start up. Kept going into BIOS, into this BIOS loop. And we went through all these tech websites and we went through all like top 10, 15 things to try out. As it turns out, it was the M.2 NVMe drive, the boot drive, which somehow the BIOS recognized the hard drive was there, yet it would not boot. And we swapped that out with a drive from another computer and all of a sudden it booted. So Jonathan needed to take uh, a whole day just to reinstall Windows, reinstall all the apps, get everything set up again, all all that kind of nonsense. But it ended up being this one little tiny stick of a hard drive that caused all of our problems. But it's funny you mentioned Micro Center because as we were frantically trying to figure out what went wrong, we didn't know if our computer was just trashed. I was desperately trying to find where can I get a powerful enough computer that I don't have to order and wait a week to show up, that I, we can just run out somewhere and go buy right now. And Micro Center was one of the places we almost went to to do that. But thankfully, <laughs> we got the computer fixed and we didn't need to do uh, that.
3: A part of me was praying that we weren't, wouldn't fix it because I love Micro Center too. I used to stop by there
0: every day. <laughs> you know, I've afterward. never been there. I want to go. You've
3: never been there. I've never been they there. They actually sell like arcade cabinets that you could just build yourself. Like it's, it's, a, it's a great place. I, I, mean,
0: I definitely want to go and check it out. All right, what's next?
2: Shamark Vibe says, "Just get uh, Muse. To- oh, you're right. Muse would be great. Just get Muse to add songs to the new Highlander movie. They rock stadiums out. That's true for a stadium. Yeah, for a st- they are a more modern stadium rock type of band. Yeah. All right. What's yeah. next? Um, uh, Mexican drug lord writes." <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, my mom was excited when she saw King uh, Kingpin and Hawkeye. Imagine trying to explain to her that's not the same one from Netflix. Uh, I'm glad the show is canon. I still, Imagine, I still think to her this is going to
0: bite them in the ass.
2: I, I think this is a mistake.
0: I mean, look, their original plan was that it wasn't the same Kingpin from the Netflix series and their same Daredevil. It was them just trying to please the fans by bringing back the actors that people have grown to love. And I get it, there are drawbacks to that. Rob, you brought up a really great concern with that, is that you can say it all you want, but a lot of people are still going to associate it with the Netflix thing. You're 100% right about that. Like that was definitely mom. one of the drawbacks. But, <laughs> what? I mean, well, you just said. that oh. kingpin <laughs> in Hawkeye was clearly not the kingpin from the Daredevil series on Netflix. Um, but now they're going to say it is. Now yeah, they're going to say it yeah. is. And again, I worry that this is just going to ultimately, fans are going to say they're happy about it now, but I think they're going to be pissed off later. I really do. And when, I mean, Disney's made it pretty clear, not everything from the Netflix series is going to be canon, but I think now fans are going to be pissed off when certain things are canon and certain things are not. And I, I worry that this is going to backfire. I worry this is going to backfire. But But, you know, or it could be the best thing for them. I mean, who knows? We'll see how it turns out. Obviously, whatever they were doing with the Daredevil Born Again series wasn't working. Yeah. They scrapped it. So maybe this will be the best thing for them. Just make sure the writing is great. That's all I ask. Easiest thing in the world. (laughs) All right. What's next?
2: Uh, Raph writes, John, we were robbed. Meaning if Dune 2 didn't get uh, delayed, we uh, could have had Chalamet in the mix for best lead. Uh, Nolan versus Villeneuve for best director. <sighs> yeah. But now they have a chance to each win. Uh,
0: listen, I'll tell you right now, I, I think Dune 2 was going to win best picture of the year. I haven't seen Dune 2, so I'm saying that completely out of my ass, granted. But I really do think Dune 2 was probably set up to be the best picture of the year. I think Denis Villeneuve was going to be set up to be director of the year. Um, And it would have made for a even more interesting Oscar race this year. But... Um, now it gets to be in the 2024 race yeah. and we still get to see dune 2 and it's uh, other than Deadpool 3 it is my most anticipated movie this year now they'll each get a pillar at Hollywood and Highland so
2: it's
0: good you know <laughs> That's it's right. all, They're their own they thing a, there
2: on the pillars yeah have you the, have to be
0: the, an la person to know what John yeah. talking about
2: all right what's next all right um the indel in- the, the in- inedible Hulk uh <laughs> why legally can searchlight uh, back out from
0: contract it's not a contract they owned it they acquired the rights, right? They acquired the rights. Now they can do whatever they want with those rights. And if they want to just give them back, they can give them back. It, it, it's a lot like, <clears throat> this is why I'm actually thinking about just creating a, a, a podcast that's just talking about the legal aspect of Hollywood. Um, and maybe getting Brooke Chavez to come in and do that with it, who is currently a working lawyer, right? But just talk about the legal issue because a lot of people still think that, wait a minute, How could Marvel, for example, fire... I always forget the name of the guy who played uh, uh, War Machine first. Terrence Howard. Howard. Terrence Howard. He's Kang now. Wait a minute. He was signed to a three-picture deal. How come he's not there? Because that's not how the contract works. Like, a lot of people go, well, you know they're going to do three more of those movies because the actor signed a five-picture deal. Doesn't matter. When a studio signs an actor to say a five-picture deal, all that means is that the actor has to come in and appear for those five movies. It doesn't mean the studio has to use them. It's a very one-sided contract. The studio can decide not to use them anymore.
1: And there's the studio- also there's also clauses where they can, because of these things happening, morals clauses, force majeure clauses, yeah. things that they can dispense with.
0: And then the actors has the some services. protections as well. Clauses like, hey, if, if the studio moves the schedule and now it conflicts with another movie the actor's <laughs> supposed to do, now the actor can get out, right? Yeah. These things happen. But for stuff like that, like Searchlight they acquired the rights, but that does not obligate them to do anything with it. They can let it sit, let it lapse, give it back, whatever, so yeah. All right, what's next? We got Ron H., UFC 297. Who you got in Maine? Strickland, baby. Strickland. Riverside? I was the only person in the world who called Strickland was going to beat Stylebender. I said, Strickland, that is a bad style matchup for style, for Stylebender. Um, and he came out, shocked the world. Uh, listen... Uh, Duplice is a he's a monster man it's going to be a great fight but I think Strickland takes it I do alright what's next
2: CR says how would it be if Disney made a 30 minute Star Wars sitcom laugh track and
0: everything it could be like everybody loves Raymond but on Coruscant okay you're being facetious but I'm going to tell you what it could be a massive hit and be great if it's funny Again, these arguments, people, it's true. Thor, Love, and Thunder did not fail because it was silly. It failed because it was silly without being funny at the same time. Daredevil, or sorry, Deadpool, is every bit as silly as Thor, Love, and Thunder was. The difference is, when Deadpool did something silly, it was fucking hilarious. And that's the difference. So, yeah, you do a Star Wars 30-minute sitcom, laugh track and everything. You make it as funny as Seinfeld, it's going to be a big hit.
1: Well, you know, our friend Kevin Rubio, his Mm. comic, his Star Wars comic, Tag Tag and Bink, that was legitimately hilarious, sometimes laugh out loud so. And it could work. All right, what's
2: next? James Wheeler says Tatiana Maslany played the young mother who died at the beginning of uh, Eastern Prophecy.
0: I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I got to go back and look. I'm always kind of fascinated by, did you know that such and such actor was in this movie 20 years ago? Like, that kind of stuff always, I get a kick out of Well,
2: that. especially if you rewatch it, and then you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I've seen this yeah. so many times, I never knew that, too, you know what I mean? Because they were not huge yet or
1: whatever. Right, you didn't know who that was. Now yeah. you yeah. know. Now I've you heard. do. Orphan Black in this.
0: You know, it's funny. I was watching this video on the history of Law and Order the other day, and they oh, went no, through man. this huge laundry list of all know. these today big major stars when you had no idea who they were when they were in these early episodes of Law and Order.
1: Same with Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah. Oh
2: yeah, for sure. All right, what's next? All right, uh, going to hear from our members. Uh, Majork says uh, there's plenty of bands to choose from, probably, but I would throw Fallout Boy from Highlander soundtrack out there. I would. Pass that back. I'm pretty biased since they are my all-time favorite band. Hey, you got to love what you got to love. Or get the guys who did first Spider-Verse. Well, that'd be
0: cool. Yeah, who did the first Spider-Verse? Uh, I know Metro did a lot of the second Metro one. Metro, boom.
1: Um, <laughs> I actually Metro? like the idea of Muse. Yeah, I know. I've been thinking about that. Muse is a good idea.
2: Yeah. All right, what's next? All right, we got... Um, Dominic Summa, do you guys, or no, do you think Iger regrets the Fox acquisition? May have been too bold to do it around the same time as launching Disney Plus, but in fairness, he didn't know a
0: pandemic was about to cripple their parks experience and movie division. Absolutely not. Because when you acquire and buy something like that, that is only going to, you are going to enjoy the dividends of that for decades and it's going to pay off. It's sounded never regret buying a piece of property. Um and when you had the opportunity that availed itself for him to buy. The one thing he is pissed off about. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think when they first announced that they were buying Fox, the purchase price I think was 40 billion dollars. Right? Which would have been amazing. And then Comcast, NBC Universal, Bought them by coming in and say, oh, hey, Fox, we want to put in a bid too. They never intended to buy Fox. We want to put in a bid too. We'll uh, pay you uh, $55 billion. Twitch, Disney then had to go, fine, 60. Oh, uh, we'll pay 65. And then Iger's like, fine, $70 billion. And then Comcast went, Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. They can take it. So uh, they literally fucked Disney out of $30 billion. Yeah, I don't care what anybody in the industry tells you, out of pure spite. Well, I
2: think they're about to do that with WB if they try to uh, acquire Paramount. Yeah,
0: probably. Probably. All right, what's next? Um,
2: Amin says, I think if Air had been released closer to the end of the year, it would have gotten more awards buzz. I agree. Yeah.
0: I agree. I think, I think air is it, it. like, I'm not doing a top 10 list of the year, but it would be on that list. Air would be in my top 10. I thought that so was good. a brilliant film. Yeah. Brilliant uh, film. But you know what? To be fair, I, I think uh, iron claw is going to get overlooked and it was yep. near the end of the I year. I thought iron claw was great and you're right. And it was near the end of the year and it's not going to help it. So, all right. And question. Viola
1: Davis in air. Yeah. Was terrific. Yeah. yeah.
0: Everybody. Jason Bateman was terrific. Ben Affleck was terrific. Matt Damon was terrific. Like everybody. In that oh, I was even so think
2: I, I even say to this like uh, Marlon Wayans. It, one scene, but it was yeah. pivotal. It was yeah. a one in the bar. Yeah, was, yeah.
0: yeah. so good. It's great. All right, what's next? All right, uh,
2: Doctor Stinky. Hey, John and crew. I watched Blue Eye Samurai. It's amazing. What an interesting time to, with my mom. <laughs> I didn't expect all the oh sex scenes, but I worked in the story. But well, they worked in the story. Nine out of ten. Anyway, love y'all.
0: What was it? That the dude with no hands called boobs. Did <laughs> we call them peaches? Peaches. Whenever you would see boobs, oh I, guys in the live chat, help me out. What what was it? He called it again. Listen, Blue Eye Samurai is. I, I again. I I had no interest in this show, none. And I had a whole bunch of our viewers write into me and say, John, I think you're really gonna like this. So I'm, so one day, and was off in LA with her girlfriends and I was home for the evening. I thought, you know what? I'm going to pop on blue eye samurai, watch the whole series in one night. Couldn't stop watching it. So, I mean, first of all, it was funny and like beaches. Yeah. That, that was all funny, but it was dramatically great. So good. It's hard for action and animation to thrill me. It normally doesn't, but the action was fantastic. The I also thought that were great.
1: the French animation company did a phenomenal job. The look of it was beautiful. Oh, visually, it was stunning. For even from the opening, you know, I finally finished it. And the opening of it with the snow and everything, I oh. was immediately captivated.
0: Yeah. Loved the show. Absolutely loved it. I'm nervous about it leaving Japan and going to, I think it's London where they're going to. I don't know if the show will work as well in that context. Yeah. But no. whatever. The season one was fantastic. All right. What's next?
2: Uh, Yulatan says, fun fact, did you know Tom Hardy is a rapper who goes by the alias Frankie Pulitzer? He has a few songs on Czarface's albums and is a very gifted lyricist. I listened to these albums for years and never knew it was Tom.
0: I never knew that. I never knew that either.
2: Doesn't surprise me for some reason.
0: Speaking of Toms and rapping, did you know Tom Green was a rapper? Tom you Green, asked?
1: Freddie Got Fingered, Tom yep. Green?
0: He uh, he was part of a Canadian rap band early 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 in his career and I'm trying to remember the name the, the one kind of hit song they had was called Check the OR Lil Hoser That was not the name of the band <laughs> I think it's something Canadian and rapping Um what was the, I'm trying to remember the name of the band again anybody in the live chat who knows what it is Check the OR you like me so far check and it's just them walking around various neighborhoods in Toronto you know, doing this with their hands. but It's totally ridiculous, but I'm trying to remember the name of the band and I can't. Or anybody in the live chat who knows what it was, let me know in the live chat. I want to no, know. No, don't, it was.
3: please, because that would be really sad.
2: <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, we got Mighty Tank who says, Hey, everyone, I know your current favorite comedian is Joe Coy, uh, but have you ever heard of Taylor Tomlinson? Uh, she recently took over as host for James Corden's Night Slot for Late Night. I'm usually not into comedy specials, but her two Netflix specials are both worth the watch. Taylor Tomlinson.
0: No. No, not overwhelming.
1: You, you would know her if you saw her. Okay. She looks she looks kind of like um a, a, a grown-up high school girl. And she's got a very cute, funny. Isn't that perky... what most
0: women look like? Grown up <laughs> high school girls. I
1: guess so <laughs> but she's still got that teen energy to her, even though she's hilarious. She was on um Stephen Colbert the other night, and she's taken over. Oh,
0: wait a minute. Did she present with Stephen Colbert at the Emmys? Probably. Okay, okay. In that case, I, I didn't recognize her, but okay, that makes it. By the way, of course, I should have known. That the name of the song was Check the OR. The name of Tom Green's rap band was Organized Rhyme. Uh, true story. Um, true Tom story. Green, of course, is a, a good Canadian kid. So back in the AMC days... When we moved out of the storage closet and we got our own studio space, that became the AMC Movie News Studios and later the Collider Movie News Studios. And I found this place and AMC got it for us. There was one other occupant in the building with a studio as well. And it was Tom Green. Tom Green had his own studio in the building where he did an internet show as well. And um, it, it took a couple of months, but at some point we finally bumped into each other in the hallway and he Brought me back into a studio show. We hung out for the day. Very, very cool guy, Tom Green. Very, very cool guy. All right. Anyway, what's next? We have uh, Skellip who says,
2: Hi, John, or hi, crew. John, I know you've said you've given the attack on Titan anime. a try before. I was curious how many episodes you gave it. Also, has anyone else on the crew given it a watch? The show recently finished; it's an amazing piece of storytelling. Once you finish it, your first instinct is to watch it again.
0: It's one of those rare things where I actually read it before I saw the show because Anne started collecting them. So I so I read it and I thought cool. Then when the show was out, and I thought I'll give a shot. I I gave it like three episodes. I, I there's I a live action movie too. Yes, there is. There's a there's a Japanese live action version of it, but um, and I've seen clips of it on youtube um but yeah i just the animated show just didn't work for me unfortunately but that you know that doesn't mean it shouldn't work for other people i'm just saying for me it didn't work unfortunately all right last question of the day what's all right uh joel Checky says all
2: the awards talk about paul giamatti makes me think about him in cinderella man as russell crowe's manager coach.
0: he is incredible in that (laughs) and honestly one of my favorite supporting roles of all time cinderella man is a movie that is You know the problem here's what happened with cinderella man that was right around the time when Russell Crowe started getting some bad press because he was behaving badly.
1: Throwing,
2: throwing phones.
0: phones at people <laughs> and whatnot.
1: Meg Ryan, Proof of Life. Yeah, yeah. The, the
0: whole Meg Ryan thing, right? Um, <laughs> he broke up America's couple. Um, and, I, and I get it. The really unfortunate thing, though, is that Cinderella Man is one of his best movies. That movie's phenomenal. Um, it, it... And... I remember this because it got so bad. (coughs) The opening weekend sucked. The studio put out a guarantee. Do you remember this, guys? Where they were like, come see Cinderella Man this week, and if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. (laughs) I had never heard that before, and I have never seen it since. But they were so confident in that movie and every reason to be confident. They actually put out this guarantee. Come see the movie. If you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. Because they knew you're gonna like. So, I mean, people could go and lie. Yeah, but the movie was great. Rated. did and Giamatti was great in it. <laughs> Russell Crowe was fantastic. What was was was, was it Renee uh, Zellweger? Yeah, was that that the wife in that? Everybody's fantastic in it. It's a moving story. It's absolutely wonderful. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. <laughs> All right, with that down, guys. That... <laughs> I've gone as far as I can go. That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy show podcast. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special. Thank you to all you guys who sent in questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, Coming back and join us again tomorrow. There will not be an open mic later today. I I mentioned yesterday I was going to try doing today. I know I'm not going to be able to do it by myself, unfortunately. So maybe tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to do it. But until then, I want to thank the people in the room with me. Ray Ora.
3: See you guys later.
0: Jonathan Voiko, See ya. Writer, director, producer, Robert Meyer Burnett. Watch Designing Hollywood. Yes, it's out there. It's a good one right now. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.